0: mm passage we're going to be considering today that will lead us into this practice of lectio divina is from the gospel of Luke uh, it's chapter 24 and its verses 13 through 35 it says now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about 7 miles from Jerusalem they were talking with each other about everything that had happened Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. They got up and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and said, It is true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're going to talk about this practice of Lectio Divina today, and just to give you a little hindsight, we're going to return to this passage again. You're going to hear me read it a few more times today. Um, But before we get into that, a little bit of a history about myself. Some of this may frustrate some of you, but I was one of those kids in high school who really didn't have to read or study much to do well on tests. This was a big frustration for my wife, Courtney, as well. When we first met, and we had some study sessions in college, and I kind of was like, well, I'm good, I'm done. And she's like, you don't. we need to do more. I'm like, no, I got it. She's like, oh, you. But also in college, I realized that that wasn't going to carry me very far either. As I had an American history class, and we were given a book to read, and I read the first chapter, and I thought, I'm good. I think I got the rest of the book. We went in, took the test the next week. I did my best to kind of do whatever I needed to do on the test. And then when the test was returned, the teacher handed them all back and said, Well, I'm glad you all read the first chapter. It's like, oh, they know if we don't study. They know and can see that if we don't (laughs) do everything that they've asked us to do. And I think it's true that sometimes we need to take a little more time to read. Read more thoughtfully, more thoroughly. Let the words get into us and so we can digest them and think about them. And this is true even when we come to approach scripture. I think sometimes we approach scripture as just kind of a check the box, read through it quick. I did my reading for the day and I'm done. Good, good job me. Or we just stick to our favorite passages and scriptures and keep reading those things over and over again because they're dear to us, but we rarely open ourselves up to the rest of the story that God has in scripture. So today we're going to learn about this spiritual practice in our off-road discipline series of Lectio Divina, which is also which can be translated as divine reading. And this discipline has been encouraged and practiced for centuries throughout Christianity. This is actually one of my favorite spiritual disciplines. I was excited to get to share on it. I used to work my youth when I was a youth minister through this practice as a way for them to uh, get familiar and to interact with Scripture. So today, hopefully, as we learn and talked about Lectio Divina, um, we're going to find a new way to read Scripture that seeks to connect us with the long thread of other Christians in history who have used this practice, and that hopefully you can open yourself up in a new way to God and His Word And that also we will be able to find a new way to see Jesus in the pages of Scripture. So a little history behind Lectio Divina before we actually dip into the practice. Yes, we will be doing it here today, and I'm going to have a little feedback from you guys after we do it. So this will be kind of a back-and-forth sermon a little bit. Um, But first, the history. Where does it come from? Where does this idea come from? We can trace the foundations of it all the way back to about the 3rd century to a church father by the name of Origen. He believed that an encounter with Scripture was an encounter with Christ himself. Christ is in here, and any time we open up its pages, we should be ready to find and commune with Christ in it. It began to be fleshed out more in the 6th century by a monk by the name of Benedict of Nursia. You might know him also as Saint Benedict. He also wrote... Uh, The Rule of St. Benedict, which was a rules and guidelines he established for how monasteries should run. And in it, he encouraged the monks that they should have specific times of reading throughout the day. In it, he writes, "...idleness is the enemy of the soul. Therefore, the brethren should be occupied at certain times in manual labor and again at fixed hours in sacred reading or divine reading." The specific form that we're going to talk about today, which you'll see in the handout on your bulletin, kind of on that bottom section there, the four steps, was fleshed out by another monk in the 12th century by the name of Guigo II, obviously Italian. He wrote uh, The Ladder of Monks, and in it he laid out these four steps as kind of a ladder that we can use to read through Scripture, So the four steps you see there are four opportunities to read through a passage. The first one, we read through the passage once, in lectio. Just read silently and slowly. The second step is meditatio, or meditate and reflect. Read the verse the second time, and then in that step, ask yourself, what does this mean? What's the invitation here? Where is Christ in these verses? Third step, oratio, or to respond or speak. You read the verse a third time, then talk to God about it, engage with God with it. What do you need to say to God and maybe what might be God be saying to you through the passage? And finally, contemplatio, the last step, contemplation, rest. Read the verse one final time and simply be silent, breathe, and listen to what God might be speaking to you. So what's the goal? What's the purpose? Why should we add this to our spiritual disciplines toolbox? Uh, David Benner wrote in his book, Opening to God, he says, when we practice Lectio Divina, we are not treating scripture as text to be studied, but as the living word. We don't step into the text to be prepared to give it our own meaning, to dissect it. We're not there to study it and to pull it apart when we practice Lectio Divina. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There are definitely times when we want to dig in, read commentaries, talk to people, wrestle with the text, figure out the meaning behind the words. There are definitely times for that, and that has good good reason to do that in our life. But as with any balanced diet, we need to have times of rest and reflection. And when we let the text work on us rather than us working on the text, we let the text speak to us. We let God speak to us. We let the text reveal Christ to us. This can be a struggle like me because this is not what my training taught me to do. I went through seminary to dissect, to pull it apart. I learned Greek and Hebrew. I have commentaries. That's why I was taught was to get into the verses that way. So it can be a challenge for somebody like me. But instead, what we need to do is to let that go. Wait open ourselves up to God to reveal the meaning and the, the meaning behind the words that we're reading. This happened to me one time, kind of unintentionally. I was reading through the Gospel of Mark, and I got to the part where Herod throws the huge party, his, Herodias' daughter comes in and dances, and ultimately by the end of it, John the Baptist has his head taken off and brought in on a silver platter. I'd read that story many times, and reading through it again, I'm like, eh, I'm going to skip it. I know the story. Jesus isn't even in the story. There's not like a lesson at the end of it or anything like that. And then I kind of felt a knock on my heart. It's the best way I can explain it. That just said, don't skip it. Read it. See what's in there. And so I read it. And God revealed stuff to me in that reading that I did not bring with me, that I was not intending to find, God showed up in that moment when I approached Scripture with open hands, saying, "Ah, okay, I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'll read. So our own study is not key here. What's key is our openness to God to revealing what God wants us to see, what God wants us to hear, and what God wants us to understand. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the verses uh, three times, and one last time I'll let you guys read it in silence. Um, I'm not going to spoil it by doing the sermon part here, by dissecting the text. You guys get to do a little sermonizing yourself at the end. When we get through the four steps, I'm going to invite those of you who feel open to share. What did God speak to you? What verse or word or phrase stuck out to you? What did you hear? And we're going to go through the four steps there. So, you can follow along with the passage here. I'm basically going to read kind of that first paragraph from 13 to 27. If I read it the whole way through, we'd be here for a while. So, we'll just use that first half to meditate on today. So, take a breath. Let it out. Start reading in step one. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the things the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Step two. Now, on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet and mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? The beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Step three. are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of us who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the Scriptures. And for the last time, read it silently for yourself. Okay, your turn. What stuck out? What did you hear? Oh, and if you're watching online, I've got live chat here. So if you feel like you want to type in something, I can share it as well. Yeah. Jesus was walking with them the whole time. They didn't see it. What else? All the scriptures concerning himself all the scriptures concerning himself. Moses and all the prophets. longest sermon ever. Yeah, he had to go through all that stuff. We don't, how do we feel when our leaders suffer? Somebody that we're following that we think is the hope suffers. Doesn't make sense. But in Jesus, it makes sense. Yeah, we got to walk through before we can see. Right? He listened to their concerns, even though he knew them already. Not only did he know them, he went through them. Like he is the guy that they're talking about, but he knows it. But he still hears from them, wants to hear their side of the story. sitting in april m mm, slow to believe all the things yeah we're like that sometimes their, ah yeah they put their hope in the physical redemption of israel their hope lied in something else and jesus reshaped that for them Yeah. Yeah. They had this hope. And then Jesus died. So their hopes died, they thought, with that. They were going home. Like some of the other disciples went back to fishing. Yeah, and then the final recognition is the breaking of bread. Yeah. Doors. Yeah. Right. I love it that it points out that says they stood still looking sad. It acknowledges like the pain and the grief that they felt of everything that they thought was going to happen didn't happen. But Jesus was there. The whole time. All right. You guys preached. Good job. Um, I'm going to highlight a couple things, make some connections to what was said. Um, this is such a good passage, and it's such a great one, I think, to work through this practice with because it's that being open to what God is trying to tell us when things might not make sense to us, like the tra- travelers on the road. Um, Like walking through the road, like on Lectio Divina, we come to a deeper understanding of Scripture when Jesus opens up our understanding of the Scriptures like he does with the travelers. Their sadness and grief keys us into that they had lost hope. They thought the story was over. Everything that they thought was going to happen didn't. Their expectations weren't met. They're going home. And even though they heard the report of the empty tomb, they're still going home. What times do we go through life when we thought we knew and we understood something about scripture or just our life and the way it's supposed to go? And we're frustrated by unmet expectations. But like we pointed out, Jesus in this story doesn't abandon his people. He walks with them. Not only does he walk with them, he doesn't immediately correct them. He hears their story. He lets them explain it, even though he's the one who walked through the whole thing. He wants to hear their side. He doesn't say, oh, nope, you missed it. Let me interrupt you for a second. He lets them walk through it. One of the commentaries I read, the Africa Bible Commentary, says, He, Jesus, is the one who creates an opportunity for his followers to reframe their perception of the events in Jerusalem. He has all the answers to their questions. He knows everything, yet he lets them explain it to him first. If you're a parent, you can explain something to your child 20 times and they don't get it. Doesn't seem like they get it. And then one day they might run out of their room. Mommy, daddy, I figured this thing out. Like, yeah, I've been telling you the but because they figured it out themselves, it becomes part of them and their story, and they can take it in, and then they can go out, and they're excited about what they've discovered, like the followers in this story. And then, most importantly, I think, and not in the section that we read, but when they go into the house, and Jesus is recognized in the breaking of the bread. In Lectio Divina, like with the story, we come to a deeper understanding of Scripture when we recognize Jesus in what we see and read and experience together. I like that they said, Didn't our hearts burn within us while he was speaking with us on the road, while he was explaining Scriptures to us? They felt something on the road, but they weren't quite there yet, and they didn't make that connection until they go into the house, they gather around a table, and Luke basically echoes what Jesus does at the Last Supper. So says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. At this point, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. It's in the breaking of bread and realizing that was it. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this and remember me that's when they remembered. That's when we remember. Last week when we celebrate communion and we gather around a table, that's when we remember and proclaim the story that we believe that has changed all our lives and we say, yeah, Jesus has walked with me through all of this junk. And even when I don't see him, I believe that he's still walking with me. This is what Jesus wanted. I can imagine Jesus Slyly smiling as he breaks the bread. And then vanishing, like, yep, good. You guys got it. Good job. Keep doing that. Every encounter with Scripture can be an encounter with Jesus. It can be a sacred occasion if our hearts and eyes are open to it. If our hearts are burning within us and if our eyes are open to see After graduating college, I was lucky enough to get to visit Israel. It was actually a gift from kind of my church and some loved ones and family members at the time. And one of the favorite places that I got to visit was the Spring of En Gedi. And in the Bible, the Spring of En Gedi is one of the places where David uh, hid while he was escaping King Saul. And so when we got there, uh, we parked and we looked around. We're like, we're supposed to be at a spring, but this is like desert. This is dirt, rocky, rocky dry. It doesn't look like there was water anywhere. And our guide said, when we go, start moving down towards where the water is, I want you to listen. Don't talk. Just listen and look. And when we get there, tell me what you saw. So as we started walking through this kind of canyon, it still was like rocks and desert and we're climbing over stuff for a while. But then we started to see little bits of green through the rocks. And then because we were in a valley, we looked up a little bit and we started to see like Ibex deer like at the top of the valley looking down at us like, what are you guys doing down there? And as we kept moving, the greenery got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we started to hear the trickle of water. And that led us to what ultimately looked like a Hawaiian-sized waterfall just blowing out of this mountain in the middle of the desert. 20 minutes or 30 minutes ago at the beginning of our walk, we would have never believed it. If we were thirsty, we wouldn't have been able to find water if we were just complaining to each other. But if we looked, opened our eyes, opened our hearts, followed the signs, we would have found refreshing water. It was so hot that day like it's been hot here. We jumped into that water so fast and it felt so good. It's the same thing when we come to Scripture through Lectio Divina. If we follow the word, follow the signs, hear the voice, and listen and take the time to open up our hearts and minds to what God wants us to say, we can find our way to the living water, to the living word that refreshes. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to work through this discipline uh, with my friends gathered here and those who are online. I pray that this will become an essential part of their toolbox of interacting with you and deepening their relationship with you and their relationship with your word. I pray that everybody here, even those who didn't speak in some form or fashion, heard from you today, and I pray that that happened. I pray you would continue to be with us through the rest of this worship service and that we would see you in innumerable ways throughout the rest of our time together here. I ask this in your name. Amen. Oh,
1: all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's not much, I've got nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah. response. I've got just one move with my arms stretched wide. invite you to sing them with me as you learn them. We're going to do them a few times. And as you feel led, lift yourself up in praise to him. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, cause you've got a lot. Get up.